Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, presented by Big O Tires. It's Friday, January 10th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. I think the only way not to lead an episode this week with the Chiefs is to have a college basketball game matching top five teams, and that's what we have Saturday, with third-ranked Kansas taking on number four Baylor at Allen Fieldhouse. I caught up with KU beat writer Jesse Newell to break down the game that could produce the early favorite in the Big 12 race. But this is not a Chiefs-free podcast. After a break, we return to a discussion from Thursday's podcast involving Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. He interviewed for three NFL head coaching jobs last week, and those positions went to other candidates. This after interviewing for four jobs last year. After the break, you'll hear from Bieniemy, who was asked about his coaching future at his media availability on Thursday. That'll be followed by the discussion that concluded our Facebook Live on Thursday among Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell, Sam Mellinger, and Vahe Gregorian. But first, here's Jesse Newell on KU Baylor. Hey, Jesse, how you doing? Doing good, Blair. How about yourself? Doing doing good. Um, for a second week in January Big 12 game, we got quite a good one at Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday at noon when Baylor comes calling. This is third-ranked Kansas against fourth-ranked Baylor, uh, quite the matchup. Maybe in terms of the national ranking um, outside of the Champions Classic, and there may be one or two others that I'm not thinking about, just in terms of a, of a matchup, this is as good as it gets in the regular season. Yeah, especially you add a little bit of stakes in there when it comes to the conference race. And for Baylor, you know, there's some of the storylines, too, about how Baylor's never wanted out in house. You know, they haven't been able to get that monkey off their back, and Scott Drew in particular has not been able to uh, come to Lawrence and get a victory. So you add all those things on top of it, and I'm sure we'll get into this, Blair, but this is sort of important for the Big 12 race. You know, it feels sort of like Kansas has established itself as the dominant team in the conference, the heavy favorite here, and really the only way, or maybe one of the only ways you would envision them not winning it is if Uh, either Baylor or West Virginia was able to sweep them. Well, we know West Virginia can't sweep them because they lost at Allen Fieldhouse last week. And if Baylor's not able to win this game at Allen Fieldhouse, KU at 3-0, I think they'd feel really good about their chances just because the middle of the Big 12 seems a little bit down from uh, some years past. And Baylor seems like it could make a run, but it definitely could be helped if they're able to take both games against Kansas. For sure. Um, And I think uh, the the Baylor record at Allen Fieldhouse, I think, is 0-17. that is, uh, that's quite the goose egg. Uh, a lot of teams have been able to come into Allen Fieldhouse and get them once, you know, maybe just once or twice in in the Big Twelve era. But but Baylor is is not among them. You know, so what's going on? What I, I look at some of the some of the stats, the defensive efficiency stats, and points per game. You know, scoring defense, that sort of thing. Uh, we know what kind of season Kansas is having on the defensive end, but it seems like Baylor has been able to match Kansas in that way and maybe doing it a little differently with um, with their guard play. This is um, an interesting Baylor team that has beaten four ranked teams. I think Baylor's the only team in the country that's defeated four AP top 25 teams, and they're doing it like Kansas with, with defense. Yeah, they absolutely are. And uh, Bill Self just got done talking about Baylor here today. And, um, you know, he credited basically the backcourt saying that they've started to a little bit um, set the pace. And I know – uh, Davion Mitchell is one of those guys. He's a transfer from Auburn that's come in and kind of set more of a tone defensively for Baylor when it comes to the perimeter. But if you just look at him statistically, um, two things 
really stand out. Number one is that they force turnovers. And uh, we know for Kansas, that has been a bugaboo at certain times this year where taking care of the basketball has led to some problems, especially uh, in the Duke game. We, we've talked about the 28 turnovers they had in that first game. And then the second part of it is uh, for Baylor's just some rim protection. You know, they have uh, some guys that can protect the rim inside. And this is a different Baylor team than some years past. You know, Scott Drew got the reputation for kind of being the coach that would mix it up defensively and they'd play, uh, you know, a lot of their amoeba zone and get people off guard and, and you kind of have to prepare for that. And, you know, they played a little bit of it this season and including at Texas Tech in some invaluable moments. But for the most part, they've just stuck with man and they do what they do. And uh, I, I just think for Kansas fans, it's, you know, from what I hear and the reputation I hear, I think Scott Drew gets a little bit of a bad rap just because it's sort of weird. If you look at the seasons and if you really study it, the years that Baylor has been good, KU has been really good. And the Baylor, the years that Baylor's kind of taken a step back, it's been those years that KU really hasn't had their best team. So it's just kind of fallen every single year. You'd still expect Baylor to, to win one game in Allen Fieldhouse. But I think Scott Drew's done a good job of bringing in talent, and he's well-respected as an X's and O's guy. It just seems like every year, like 2012, they had a good team. And Kansas obviously had a good team. In 2018, they had a good team. And Kansas had, you know, a really good team. So it's just sort of weird how it's fallen, where it seems like Baylor and, and Kansas seem to kind of rise and fall at the same sorts of times. And, and that's meant that all these games that have taken place, Baylor's not been able to be a favorite in one of these games where if things would have fallen a little bit differently, maybe that would have been the case. I was watching that Baylor-Texas Tech game from earlier in the week, and we were talking about impact on this game having an impact on the Big 12 race. That was a you know that was a statement win I thought for the Bears to go into into Lubbock and and win that game and it gives Baylor a little bit of a leg up I think having won a a road game against a team that we think is a top quarter or, or top half type team in in the Big Twelve in Texas Tech Tech was ranked uh, I think in the twenty fourth in that game so you know give that's a, that was a tough place to win full house. Great atmosphere, and 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 Baylor came through with a with a fifty seven fifty two victory. You know, you mentioned uh, Davian Mitchell, the Auburn transfer. You have another transfer. Um, uh, I think he pronounces it Maceo Teague, averaging fourteen and a half points a game. He's a transfer from UNC Asheville, who's having a nice year. Jared Butler, returning player, everybody everybody remembers, is at sixteen three, leading leading the Bears. I find it interesting that we're not seeing the, the the vaunted Baylor zone. I wonder if we'll see some of that on Saturday. I wonder if he'll try to mix it up. And and what I want to ask you, Jesse, is how how does Kansas how do, how do they approach a team with with terrific guards um, guards that can they've got three guys that can knock down the three. Kansas, you know, defensively has been fantastic this year, and we've talked about the KU length players like uh, Marcus Garrett. And um, and Ochai Abaji, uh, it, it, it seems to me that the the spotlight's going to be on those guys in a big way defensively on Saturday. Yeah, and not to mention, uh, you know, you talk about Marcus Garrett; he's coming off another ankle injury. You know, he injured yeah. his ankle against Villanova, and then uh, turned the other ankle against Iowa State. You know, we just talked to him here in Lawrence, and he said, you know, he should be good to go. But he still looked like he played at a different speed against Iowa State when he came back in the game. Didn't look fully healthy, and so um, that's something to keep in mind too. KU's defense, uh, it, it's they do what they do, and it, it's been really effective because they have that quickness. When you talk about Devon Dotson and Ochai Abaji, they have um, kind of the smarts when you talk about Marcus Garrett. They have the switchability when you talk about guys like Christian Brown and Isaiah Moss and even Tristan and Aruna with a long wingspan to be able to do that. So 
Um, they'll switch a lot of stuff up top. That kind of blows up some of the actions that other teams want to do and makes it more difficult. We saw that with Iowa State's Tyrese Halliburton. It, it was more difficult for him to get off open threes against Kansas just because he couldn't step beyond screens because KU was just switching everything against him. And so he might have different players on him. But because those guys are all at a a certain good level defensively, it, it makes it difficult because, you know, it kind of eliminates some of the things you can do and, and some of the mismatches you can try to create. So for Kansas, I think they just do that. You know, you continue to switch. You try to to keep guys in front of you and, and kind of play to uh, the defensive skill set that this team has, which is very high. But you, you mentioned the question mark. And if we look back at the two games that Kansas lost, uh, they were close games against both Duke and Villanova. Both those games, they went against very good guard play. And uh, Devon Dotson didn't have his best games in either one of those. You know, uh, Trey Jones kind of took him down against Duke and had the better game there, frustrated him. And then uh, Villanova, we obviously saw down the stretch, uh, just uncharacteristic from Devon Dotson making uh, poor plays when KU was up four with a minute left. And uh, obviously a guy like Colin Gillespie coming in there, getting steals, making big plays for his team. So uh, you mentioned Jared Butler. If he has a big game, that's one thing. But Kansas will give up three-pointers. I mean, that's kind of how the defense is designed. If there's some dribble penetration from guys like Butler, KU's going to step up with Udoka Azubuki. They're going to try to block the shot. They're going to try to make it very difficult. So for Baylor, you, you, you try to create a little bit of an, uh, you know, create an angle, create a little bit of defensive rotation. And then if you can make two good passes in a row, you're going to get an open three somewhere. And if you can knock those down, that's really a way to take down KU's defense. It's just it's hard to do. I mean, there's not many teams that can do that, that have a, a guy that can dribble penetrate, that can kick out, and have another guy who can pass it, and hit, go, go hit your open three-point shooter, and then have that guy make the shot. That's, you know, it's, it's almost like baseball, Blair. We talk about, you know, if you hit a ground ball, you know, you got to field it, catch it, throw it. And if you hit a fly ball, you got to catch it. You know, there's a lot of different things that have to go right for teams to uh, score efficient offense against KU. And Baylor seems like a team that could be able to do that with some of the outside shooting they have spread around. They don't shoot a ton of threes, but they seem to have guys that are capable, and um, that's potentially a way for them to attack KU's defense. A lot of teams have tried to do that and haven't been able to hit the threes. Uh, We'll see if Baylor can do that on Saturday. You you mentioned Villanova. That's one of the teams that Baylor defeated this year. So at least in the one area where there's a common opponent, uh, Baylor has has a leg up there. Hey, give me a thought on on Christian Brown. He's his role has changed, hasn't it? Since um, in, in just in the last week, it, it seemed like it. Uh, he was he was pretty important in that West Virginia game, and that earned him some minutes and some playing time against Iowa State. It just uh, he has taken on a little bit more significant role for the Jayhawks. Yeah, he has, and you hate to say it like an injury is a good thing for Kansas, but uh, when Marcus Garrett went down with that first ankle injury against Villanova, it forced. Uh, Bill Self to put in Christian Brown in a tight game, big game scenario, road atmosphere, and Christian Brown was great. And so this is kind of how it happens with Bill Self. You kind of have to earn his trust, but you have to earn his trust by playing in games. If you don't get him any minutes, then it's hard to earn the trust because you're not getting opportunities to earn the trust. So when he was sort of forced in there, he he gained confidence and gained his coach's confidence in him, and then you mentioned it. When there was a toughness game against West Virginia, Bill Self went with Christian Brown for the final 20 minutes, and um, you know Christian Brown, he's not not he's not a complete player yet. You know he's he's a guy that still hesitates on some shots. He's not as aggressive offensively sometimes as um, as other guys, just because he's a freshman and he's new in there. But what he does really really well is he is just fine being a glue guy. He's just fine being a person who can come in there and be happy making other players play better. And he's really good at loose balls. He's kind of one of those, uh, Bill Self would call it a junkyard dog in there. Yeah, there was a, 
a free throw miss recently. I, I think it was Udoka, and nobody went to go get the rebound uh, in the West Virginia game except for Christian Brown. So he went out of the basket, got it, threw back to Udoka. Udoka, you know, makes another two pointer. It's a four point possession for Kansas, and those are the sorts of small things that you know the the, the, the gaining of possessions that Bill Self loves. And so, you know, listen, KU has Devon Dotson. They have Udoka as a rookie. They have Ochai They have enough guys in there that can shoot the basketball or be offensive go-to guys. When you fill out the rest of your five-man lineup, you sort of need guys who can step in there and and fill roles. And so that's why Marcus Garrett is a great fit on this Kansas team, and that's why Christian Brown potentially moving forward can do that if he can hold his own defensively, you know, be a good loose ball guy, be a good hustle guy, and really fit in with the other pieces around him, then he doesn't have to be the most talented player to fit this roster the best when it comes to playing with guys like Dotson, Azubuki, and also Ibashi. All right, boy, I tell you what, if Baylor can pull this one off on Saturday, what a week it will have been for the Baylor athletic program. The The women's team just knocked off top-ranked Connecticut, ending the, the Huskies, uh, I think it was 98-game home floor winning streak. Uh, Baylor lost its football coach, Matt Rule, this week to the Carolina Panthers, so in the market for a football coach. This after playing in the Sugar Bowl for the football program. Women's volleyball team played in the Final Four this year. Things are coming up Baylor Bears all over the place, and I think a win at Kansas would be quite a quite an accomplishment for, for Scott Drew and the Baylor program. The winner will have um, – uh, the, the, the loser will have its first Big 12 loss – I think the winner, you, you might be able to just say the winner would be the favorite in, in the Big 12 race. Really early. It's only the third game of the season, 18-game conference uh, schedule. But it's, uh, it'll go a long way, I think, in determining a, um, uh, a favorite anyway for the, uh, for the league race. So, hey, Jesse, thanks for hanging out, and uh, we will see you soon. Sounds good, Blair. Appreciate it. If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, that's a big oh no Thankfully, for all your car's big O knows, there's always a big O yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy met with reporters on Thursday, and a popular topic was his interview tour of NFL head coaching positions. Here's what Bianami had to say about the process. And after Bianami, you'll hear from the stars Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell, Sam Mellinger, and Bahe Gregorian. You have reportedly gone through three, four interviews this year. What will happen is still one job open still remains. But uh, do you have any comment as to whether or not the Rooney rule is working, whether it's doing what it was designed to do, and whether African-American coaches are getting the opportunities they should? 
Well, I'll say this. I had an opportunity to, to interview for three jobs. And one thing I can say, I had a great process, a great discussion. Each and every interview is different. But at the end of the day, now all of my focus has turned on to what? The Houston, Texas. It's time to make sure that our guys are ready to go to work, but also understanding the importance of what's in front of us. All right. So, all right, to piggyback off of that, yes, it's a blessing. It's always great to be mentioned. It's always great to have that opportunity to be considered in those roles. But when it's all said and done with, I work for a great organization. I work for a great boss. I work for a great owner. And on top of that, okay, we got some great people in this building. And we're going to go out there and line up and play against these Texas I, I Listen, I know we've had a discussion. I'm here to ask the questions. I know you, this isn't your preferred line, but okay. you're, you're the guy that's, I mean, you're the tip of the spear right now, right? I mean, is the Rooney rule working, yes or no? Like I said, I had an opportunity to interview, okay? That should say it all, you know? It was a great conversation. Now it's on to the game. What, what kind of feedback have you gotten from either those teams or, or other people, friends of yours in the business after these interviews? Uh, and here's the thing, and I'm gonna put this out there. It's time to play against the Houston Texans, all right? You guys gotta understand it, you guys know me, all right? My focus is on the Houston Texans. Right. One thing I want our guys to realize, we don't want to go backwards to have to go forward. Meaning what? First of all, remember that feeling that we had when we came in here after that New England game. Right? That's not anything that we want to have. Right? So we got to make sure we're eliminating all the distractions. We got to make sure we're mentally and getting physically prepared to play against our, our opponent, who's a hell of an opponent. Okay? It did a hell of a job. Right against us early in the season, and, and hell, it showed this past weekend too. So at the end of the day, my job is to make sure that we're making the most of this opportunity that's being presented today. All right, so what took place over the weekend or all the other stuff, that don't matter. It's time to go play ball. One topic we didn't uh, cover that I, I think will be a subject of a story here, Eric Bieniemy, head coaching yeah. uh, job, let's just say, it's not going. Didn't look like it's going to happen for him this year, unless the Cleveland Browns pull off a you know kind of a, an upset and and hire him, which I actually think is a would be a pretty good place for Eric Bieniemy. But um, will Eric Bieniemy be a head coach by the end of next season? Because it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. What Washington, Carolina, New York Giants, Cleveland Browns all opened up, and he's still and, and he interviewed for and the Cowboys, right? right? So five jobs. He interviewed for several of them. Three that we know of yeah. Yeah. this year. And didn't get the job. So will BNB be a head coach by the end of the 2020 season? That's the million-dollar question because to me it's a head-scratcher that BNB has not been hired. And I know like with Judge in New York, they called Bill Belichick and Belichick gave a ringing endorsement. But to me, when you have Andy Reid publicly given BNB a ringing endorsement, he's a leader of men. He, he can motivate a team. and. and We've all been around the enemy. He's a fiery kind of guy. He seems to me like a coach's kind of player. A lot of players who didn't even play for him were taking the Twitter. Reggie Bush tweeted out, he's ready for a head coach job. You know, I know this guy. I don't know if he's going to have a job because I thought he'd have a job this year. I thought we would all be writing about yeah. Team X hires Eric Bieniemy. Chiefs now looking for another offensive coordinator. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the teams are looking for. If you're looking for a leader, why, why hasn't Bieniemy had a job yet? 
How about the idea of, how about Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year? Andy Reid steps down. Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach. Are you, no. are you <laughs> Sam will not dignify I that. I don't, I don't see that happening. Okay. Um, but I, I agree with Herbie. I mean, and also with your point about the Cleveland Browns, well, it may not be the best spot for him because I don't think that's the best spot for anybody. Right. Pretty human. Um, it might be their be one of their best options because, you know, the quality that, that Andy Reid keeps talking about is this leader of men phrase. And, of course, you know, what does that really mean? But he's got a presence w with those players. And Cleveland needs somebody that has a presence with yeah. those players because they need some discipline. And I think Eric Bieniemy would provide that, if nothing else. And I, I know that there's the question of, you know, he doesn't call the plays, so how much does he really factor into the offense? But you've had other guys that had that same question. I mean, I mean, well, Doug Peterson might won a Super Bowl. Andy Reid never called plays. Exactly. <laughs> when, yeah. when, when he got his job. He was never even a coordinator. Right. Yeah, but, right. you know, Doug right. Peterson is... You know, that, that's the example to me. The guy knows offense. And, you know, if you talk to whether it's Mahomes or Matt Moore or Chad Henney, he's working with the quarterbacks, you know? Like, it's, it's not just he's still the running backs coach and, and that's it. And I, I keep going back to, you know, the Kareem Hunt situation. And, you know, because it, it's – coaches can't present this veneer of discipline, of authority, and, and all that stuff. But what happens when that gets challenged? What happens when you, you set a line and somebody steps over it? That was a star player, an important piece of the offense. And, and he was gone because of what happened with Eric Bieniemy and Kareem Hunt, that Kareem Hunt lied to Eric Bieniemy. That's why he's gone. And, and I think that that's the part too. When, when, you can, when you can bring the hammer and still have the players talk about you the way they talk about Eric, I mean, that, that is, that's gold. And, you know, I would just underline what Herbie and Sam both said about, like, doesn't it seem like that's what the Cleveland Browns need? Yes. You know, and, and, you know, and now I'm forgetting, I think, Sam, you just said it, like, I don't know if it's Eric's best spot, because I don't know, if, you know, if you want to work for that owner, um, you know, if you just look at the, the history that they've had with GMs and coaches both, but they got a good quarterback, they got a hell of a lot of, of, of talent around them, they've got Kareem Hunt, <laughs> you know, that, that yeah. would be an interesting, you know, uh, you know, sort of, substory or whatever so it'd be a great situation um for the browns i think but um it's just look like we're, we're nobody's mentioned it yet but there's a fact that black coaches are not getting hired at near the rates that white coaches are especially you know? offensive yes yes and and i don't know i don't think there's outright racism I, you know I don't, I don't think that but i think that there there is a case to be made that there is a subconscious you know sort of boys network, you know, look like me kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's how it's happened, you know, uh, wh whether it's direct or indirect. That's, that's part of this equation as well. Sam made this point where we were talking the other day. I mean, you might look at each individual case and say, okay, you can see why they made yeah. that choice. But when you take the whole body of it, it's seven interviews now. In two years. Yeah, in two years. Seven out of 31 and, teams. And, and, you know, I guess we don't rule out that he might get the Cleveland thing until, that's, until that is ruled out. But... Um, so then you look at what, what his profile is, and you know two things on his profile that uh, are different, I guess, are the race, but also um, running back's history as opposed to quarterback's history before these last two years, right? I think, I mean, Peterson had been a quarterback, he'd worked with quarterbacks, he'd been an offensive coordinator. Nagy had worked with quarterbacks before he was coordinator. You know, which one of these you wanna choose as a reason, at least on the, the profile, and I think you can, uh, you can see what you want to in it, but it's, it's hard not to be distressed a little bit about the, the rate of 
hiring of African-American coaches. Right. The other thing you hear is no head coaching experience, either at the college or pro level, but... I mean, I, come on. Yeah, come on. That's, that's, that's not a... That's not an reason anymore. Guys you are getting, can't use that. Yeah, guys are getting jobs from being a quarterback's coach or a special teams coordinator. I mean, there's, you know, look like Ron Rivera and uh, uh, Bruce Arians, Mike McCarthy. I mean, there have been, a, it seems like somewhat more retreads or, you know, guys getting a, kind of a, a second chance, but there's still, you know, Joe Judge, nobody had ever heard of him before. Yeah. We had to Google him. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, Zach Taylor. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of examples. I mean, you know, Cliff Kingsbury got fired. Like, I mean, just a, a failed college coach that went below 500. And now NFL, I mean, that's amazing. Didn't win with Patrick Mahomes. And they, that, that's the thing, too, is like, I, I feel like there's some of, of, you know, some of what you see is, well, of course, the enemy's the offensive coordinator of this offense has been terrific. I mean, he's got Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah. so did Kingsbury. Right. Yeah. And the Big 12's not as tough as the NFL. Well, I'd love to see Eric Bieniemy and Dave Tobe someday become yep. NFL head coaches. I think both of them absolutely deserve it. That wraps up another week of Sportsbeat KC presented by Big O Tires. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing today's show. The next time you'll hear from us is Monday when we'll be back to talk about the Chiefs' divisional round playoff game against the Houston Texans. Thanks for listening.